Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Raja, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at texasfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTF. And you can become a subscriber if you're not already at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. And as always, we got Ishmael Johnson in the house. Ish, how you doing? Eh, better. <laughs> <laughs> what, did something happen yesterday? <laughs> yeah, you know, just it's a rough Saturday, right? <laughs> just yeah, another I mean, typical yeah. rough Saturday that's happened four times before, or three yeah, times before, I guess I should say. But whatever. yeah, yeah. I mean, I know, I know. It's never easy when Texas plays UTEP, but uh, oh yeah, you know, as, as a diehard <laughs> UTEP fan, it was really bad to see you know, right, Sam Ellinger right, right. throw for seven thousand yards in a, a half. Oh man, oh man. Uh, yeah. Well, obviously, I think we're gonna start in San Marcos, where I am recording right now. Oh, is that uh, where we're starting? Huh? Okay. Yeah, that's, that's, I guess that is we'll where we're there. starting. That's where we're starting. Uh, where you're you're fighting uh, Texas State Bobcats. Um, did some things. Did some yeah, things. Yep. Uh, and unfortunately, and, and didn't do other things. But you know, and didn't do a lot of other things. Whereas. I mean, give a lot of credit to UTSA. They did a lot of things. So oh, they, they did come out, Yeah, they absolutely did a lot of things. They came out with a 51-48 victory in Jeff Trailer's first game as a head coach. Um, I think that the thing that really jumps off the page at me with this game, and, and we have to give the context, obviously, that Brady McBride, um, you know, Texas State's pre- presumed starting quarterback, uh, mm-hmm. was out for COVID protocols. And so literally at the last moment, they had to make a change. So that is context. It's not yeah. enough context, but, you know, right. it's context. Um, but from the moment these two teams took the field, and even even as the game got closer, even as it went to overtime, like, UTSA was just playing on a different planet than Texas State's. Yeah, I. that's what shocked me overall was, you know, if you would have told me that this would have been a double overtime game, you know, 51-48, you know, in favor of whatever team, right? Not even including the fact that UTSA won, but just in general. For 51-48, double overtime, I'd be, I'd be like, yeah, that, that 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 measures, right? I could see that happening, rivalry game. Um, you know, as much as we saw from Texas State last week, it's still, there's still a ways for them to go for them to reach where they want to be. So, like, I could see them being in a close game. But seeing the start of the game yeah, and... What was it? I'm trying to think. What was it? 24-7? 24-7 at the half. Yeah. Like, that That would have shocked me. That would have yeah. legitimately surprised me. And then, when if you would have told me that Texas State would have come back <laughs> from that <laughs> to tie it and have a shot to win in regulation, that would have shocked me probably even more just because that hasn't been the case with any... Texas State team to be able to come back from a deficit like that and then also it hasn't been the case against UTSA to be able to you know once UT usually once UTSA has a stranglehold on the game against Texas State they just kind of sit on it and it's been right. the, I don't know if the rivalry factor kicks in or something but they've always been able to have that kind of mental edge over Texas State in almost in a lot of sports really I should say um, and <laughs> right, right, so right. like with the fact that they went up 24 to seven and then sacrificed that lead to be able to go into double overtime is, it was insane. What, I don't know. What, what could you tell from being there? Obviously there was a, a decent crowd there. Um, what could you kind of see from just the, the shift in energy? Yeah. I, I mean, look, I think to me, one thing that I was telling, um, you know, Drew King, who was down with me on the sideline sort of at the mm-hmm. end of the game is that I felt like. 
even as Texas State started to get back into it, it was still so obvious that what was happening there was fluky. <laughs> you know, like mm. it was it was just, all right, Tyler Vitt hit this crazy pass. You know, right. hey, you know, they ran the all-PI offense, right? Like, right, right, right. Like everything, <laughs> everything that happened that Texas State did well did not feel sustainable, right? <laughs> and, right. like, e- even down to, like, the, the – what probably should have been a, a game-winning touchdown. You know, yep. it was this crazy 90-yard punt return, right? Like, that, it was not a normal game. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I leave this saying, you know. I mean, and and look, we, we kind of talked about it before because I, I wrote something about uh, sort of what happened with Texas State yesterday. Look, if this is not the year that you're going to beat UTSA, when is it? Right. right? Like, because like, you have an older team. You know, you do have a more experienced quarterback, even if it's not the one that you want. Sure. And, um, you know, again, it's just they were out physical. They were outclassed. I mean, Sincere McCormick was far and away the best player on the football field. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I don't want to say that there's nothing positive for Texas State to take away from this game. But, I mean, look, UTSA was a team that we thought would really struggle because they lost all of spring practice with mm-hmm. a brand new coaching staff. And they came out there, they looked strong, they looked cohesive, they looked developed, uh, and, and Texas State just flat out didn't. Yeah, I'm wondering, I mean, you know, the biggest one of the biggest mysteries in this game was, you know, we were wondering what UTSA's offense was going to look like under Barry Light. Because yeah. <laughs> um, we had, no, I mean, we had no indication, obviously, he, he, we had... We didn't know. We didn't even know what quarterback they were going to use. We had a very strong feeling it was going to be Frank Harris, but they didn't. You know, they didn't confirm it until the day of. Um, we didn't know exactly what type of quarterback they were looking for, and I still am kind of. There's still a bit of uncertainty surrounding what they want Frank Harris to do, um, but it's clear that they just said, you know, we're just going to lean on this strong running game, right? We're going to lean on right. Frank Harris using his feet, but obviously we're going to lean on this you know, potentially uh, probably a guy who should be playing power five ball in Sincere McCormick, um, who, like you said, almost rushed for 200 yards. And that was just, I don't blame them for just going with what they knew they had, which is this star running back who's the best player on the field almost any time he steps on it. So, uh, you know, let let me ask this. Let me ask this. Uh, You've watched more Frank Harris, obviously, before UTSA than I have. And... Was, I mean, I know that he wasn't a guy who was checking the ball fifty yards down the field, but mm-hmm. like, had they was he so so kind of conservative as a passer in high school too? Not really, um, which is why I, I kind of have this take that I don't think Jeff Trailer trusts him throwing the ball, yeah. and I I think he's just the best guy in that room right now, um, sure. and it would not shock me if. They bring in a grad transfer or they bring in a, I don't want to say a freshman because I don't want to think that a freshman gets the keys over Frank Harris next year. But I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in somebody else to push that room because it was, they were getting so much on the ground that you didn't really think about it. But like he finished 23 of 31 for 169. If you take away uh, Brennan Dingle's 44 yard pass, that's just over four yards in attempt. And... That is ridiculously conservative, especially right. when you consider, like, you know, 
I was one of them. I mean, the the people on Twitter saying Tyler Vitz is very conservative and et cetera, et cetera. And yes, a lot of it came from just like needing to finally stretch the ball when they were down and, you know, just kind of a lot of chuck and duck kind of throws. But like he did try to throw the ball eventually. And yeah. it that wasn't the case with Frank Harris a lot of the time. And, and again, he didn't need to because they were just so effective right. on the ground. But even in situations where they needed to or situations where Texas State was starting to really assert itself on offense, Frank Harris didn't really... I don't know. Like, I want to see them in a game where... In a game maybe where the the running game isn't so effective, which maybe not won't be that many games when you have Sincere McCormick, but I want to see them in a game where he's going to need to be able to throw the ball a little bit more, stretch the field a little bit more, just because... It was something that obviously didn't hurt them in the end, but I was just like, man, he's really not looking to the first down marker. Yeah, I I think one thing too that's going to be interesting is like this is obviously. And I will I will say I will say this. Uh, uh, one of the things that stood out to me as well, um, um, that that it should be said about his high school career, and I believe I, I can't remember exactly if they. I think they. I want to say Tommy Bush was his wide receiver. Yeah. And yeah, so I, it might, you know, like in high school, and so like that might have played a part in whether or not he was com- more comfortable, obviously throwing with a five star receiver at his disposal. Yeah, yeah, no, and I mean, I, I think that that's a totally fair thing to ask, um, you know, and and I am curious to see maybe against us Faye next week if they just let him try airing mm-hmm. it out a little bit more, you know, when it shouldn't be as competitive a game, um, you know, but but the thing is, right, like. Like, obviously, I, I was just kind of curious about that because it didn't seem like they let him go downfield very much. But I think that I said, uh, you know, multiple times before this week that uh, if I were um, Barry Lunny, the offensive coordinator over there, I would basically just run a run-pass option basically right. every single play. And right. they basically did. And it worked mm-hmm. fantastic. You know, I mean, that that's one of the things, right, it's like, you know, if, if you get a Josh Adkins in there, if, if you get, uh, I, I'm trying to think, I mean, do they still have sudden safety? Lowell Narcisse. Yeah, Lowell Narcisse. You know, if, if you get one of those guys, maybe a little bit more of a passer in there, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think that that obviously changes the way that you run this offense a little bit. But, you know, the nice thing about running with a guy like Frank Harris is that, I mean, it is like having two running backs in the game, but like one can throw, right? Like it's right. kind of like, it's kind of like this modern, like a, uh, like evolution of the option in some ways. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and that worked out, right? They went, uh, you know, the two of them alone went 40 for two forty-eight and four touchdowns, right? Like, right. like that's crazy. That's crazy stuff. Um, let, let's touch on Texas stages just for a minute. So mm-hmm. look, I think that, you know, from a motivation perspective, from an energy perspective, I mean, I think that we felt not having Brady McBride in this game. But, but again, like, this was not what I expected or hoped for when I saw what they did against SMU last week. You know, I said, right. I said heading into this game, I wanted this to be a confirmation of what we saw last week, and this was anything but that. Yeah, like, I think when we got the news that Brady McBride wasn't going to be in... You know, a part of me obviously felt my expectations change. You know, I thought Texas State would win this by two scores last week with Brady McBride. I don't know if I would have picked them to win. I definitely wouldn't have picked them to win by double digits again. But I don't know if I would have picked UTSA to win just because of what we saw last week from the offensive line, from the run game. Um, I thought we saw a more well-rounded team than what we got. Um 
it took an entire half for the offensive line really to get going. Um, you know, UTSA was... I don't know if part of it was just the play calling as well. Stur, Stur, uh, Fabinov really didn't let Sturgis and Hill get going until the second half. Um, they were throwing a lot more than I thought they would in the first half. And I don't know. Like, we, we saw once... In the second half especially, we saw that once the wide receivers were able to get the ball, like, okay, they they passed the eye test last week, right? We They yes. confirmed what we uh, what we had in our heads from last week. They are talented. This is a different group than last year. Um, Shreed, Marcel Barbie is an emerging star. Uh, Jeremiah Haydell, like, you, you know, we saw these guys make plays in open space when they were able to get the ball. But it seemed like everywhere else just wasn't <laughs> um yeah. the corners and, and, weren't i mean the corners you know they they played fine you know they weren't really asked to do much in the secondary just because you know utsa wasn't challenging them that much but the offensive line wasn't getting the push that i thought they would the front seven i mean i guess that was the one weak spot you saw last week with smu they were able to run the ball pretty effectively um and since your mccormick's just that good but yeah i don't know it everywhere else was more of a surprise to me than just the quarterback spot yeah, and and you know for for Texas State, you know Jake Spavital after the game did say that um, you know he credited almost all of the issues to issues uh, protecting. Like th- yeah. he said that that you know, and, and I mean obviously you go back and watch the tape and kind of you know figure it out. He said that you know they felt like they were protecting so poorly that um, and run blocking so poorly that mm-hmm. they had to uh, you know they ran a lot of uh, a, a lot of max protect stuff and. Sure. You know, and and so it was two or three receivers running against you know five DBs, and that's mm-hmm. a big part of why they played so conservative. Um, you know, and and look, I, I mean, I think that obviously in the second half he tried to open it up, tried to force the issue really, and and it did work. But it, again, mm-hmm. like <laughs> Texas State just looked so far away from where UTSA is right now, even sure. though this game got close and. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's any other way to re- read into that than, than kind of being a failure. So mm-hmm. um, let, let's go ahead and move on. So I will say, uh, uh, shout, out to, yeah. shout out to Rashad Wisdom on that pick six. Um, yeah, that was a yes, great moment yeah. for him. Um, I mean, he's been through so much this summer. Um, UTSA, obviously, as a program, suffered with him with the loss of his brother. Um, you know, that, that uh, I, you know, as a, obviously as a Tech State alum, that moment hurt, especially when the momentum was seemingly starting to shift. If there was one player on the field that had to make that moment, I am perfectly okay that it was Rashad Wisdom. <laughs> definitely, definitely. No, and, and great player, and, and, you know, obviously you love kind of seeing moments like that. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, well, moving on real quick. Uh, okay. <laughs> so how worried are we about Texas Tech? <laughs> <laughs> um, 35-33 is the final against yeah. the fighting Huskies of Houston Baptist. The fighting Bailey Zappies. Um... Yeah, I am worried about the defense a lot. <laughs> um, offense was whatever, like fine. I don't know, like uh, they weren't, they didn't. I don't know. Maybe you want to score a little bit more than thirty-five on a on a team like HBU, especially a, a team like HBU that's not great defensively. Like they're not really good, right. really. It's just all Bailey Zappi really doing stuff um, with talented wide receivers, but. Yeah, that that defense is is, is not good, man. <laughs> the defense was really bad. Bailey Zappi got everything he wanted. Um and this is the defense that like 
lost an incredible amount. No, like they this lost is Jordan a, Brooks. They lost yeah, they, I mean, uh, they lost NFL you know, caliber Roger guys, Thompson, but like they're yeah. not like they're not rebuilding, it's no, like retooling, no, no. and they let Josh Stearns get 200 yards receiving. Uh, a true freshman, right? Is he a Richard or a true freshman? I think he's a true freshman. Oh my god! They let a true freshman, regardless, they let a freshman get 200 yards receiving. They let uh, Jared Stearns get 130 yards receiving. They let Ben Rathliff get 105 yards receiving, and Bailey's happy just got whatever he wanted in the air. Um, and, and by the way, DJ Dorme is also 82 yards receiving. <laughs> right, like <laughs> four yeah, guys that, with 80 yards. <laughs> that was that. I don't know. Part of me wants to say like <laughs> Bailey Zappi's awesome, and we've been beating that drum for a while. But also, like, come on, you're Texas Tech. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so here's the deal, right? Like, I mean, I think that it's very easy to look at this game and obviously talk a lot about the defense, and for good reason, right? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, come on, right? Like, come on. That, that's really all I have to say about it. But, um, so the offensive numbers were good, but, like, and, and this is kind of what I felt like with Tech last year. It's like the offensive numbers are so good, and I just never feel like they're in any kind of rhythm. You right. know, like... I, and I don't know why that is. I, I just even even when they were playing well last year, it, it just feels like they're not a co- like they're just not cohesive, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and like, um, you know, for example, like at the end of the game, they get a turnover on downs in the in, in the red zone, right? Like they you know they go three and out a couple of times in this game again, like you mentioned against a defense that's not very good. Yeah. Like it's I just don't. It's hard for me to put my finger on what what the issue is, you know, because it's not like there's just like. It's not like, oh, well, you know, Alan Bowman can't throw the ball. He's not it, – like, it's, it's nothing like that, right? Like, right. All, the, all the individual pieces just seem to be there. But it's just when you watch them play, it's just, it just feels so inconsistent. Here's the, here's the drive chart I, I'm, I'm really interested in from Texas Tech. Yeah. So, uh, first drive, touchdown. Second drive, pick. Third drive, touchdown. Uh, fourth drive, punt. And so that's five plays, three plays, 11 plays, nine plays. So, uh, let me see. I'm trying to think. After that last punt, touchdown, punt, 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 touchdown, touchdown, turn of downs. Like, it, there's, like, there's no consistent – you look at, the, you look at the, the number of plays. Eight, three, one, three, seven, eleven. Like, there's – like you mentioned, there's no, like, consistency there. It's three and out. It's maybe one first down. It's, you know, uh, punting. You're, there, like you said, there's no rhythm. There's no – you know, you're used to seeing these, you know, 8, 11, 13, right, with Texas Tech where they're getting, like, three first downs and they're, you know, these short, quick passes just absolutely just knifing you, right, completely. And you're just not, yeah, like, yesterday you just weren't seeing that. And I have no idea if it, I don't want to say it's an indictment, who it's an indictment of, because I don't know, but... All I do know is we we did see them get into a rhythm last year, and it was when, you know, uh, they didn't play Bowman. <laughs> like it was when, right. it was when they had um, Jared Duff, uh, J- Duffy in. And yeah. I don't want to say it's an indictment on Allen Bowman because we know he's talented, and you don't put up those yards if you don't produce something. But I don't. I just don't know what it is yet. And yeah, I don't. I it's gonna. I I don't know what to expect going forward. Yeah, and and I think that. You know, for Bowman, like, it felt like a lot of his throws were, like, either into coverage or, like, 
leading receivers into defenders. And, and mm-hmm. at the same time, I think a big part of that is because the receivers weren't getting as much separation as they just need to in this mm-hmm. offense, mm-hmm. right? Like, and, and that's that's not a good thing, right? That's extremely not a good thing. And th- this game still is, you know, one or two throws, you know, that just didn't hit away from not have, you know, not being an issue. But, like, sure. You know, look, I, I I said this last week too, and and I think that it was even more true this week. Like Bailey Zappi was the best player on the field, yeah. <laughs> on both sides of the ball, and and I mean, look, we are the biggest stands of, of Bailey Zappi, <laughs> but like, you know, I I don't know. It's you feel like you should have a Jordan Brooks, right? Like you right. feel like you know, Sir Roger Thompson had a really good day. I mean, he's a he's a really good player. He's definitely up there, but like Bailey Zappi was the best player on the field, and. And if and honestly, after that, it was the Stearns brothers and Ben Ratzliff, right? Like right. those were the next best players on the field, and and so no, I, I just I'm not going to say that I'm worried about Texas Tech because I do think also like you know it, to some extent it's like Houston Baptist has the advantage of having played the week before. Um, you know, it's it's tough to go in completely dry into a game against a quarterback who's very much in rhythm. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean. Texas Tech's got some work to do, and and yeah. I think that you know for me I, I felt like I felt like they returned enough to where I felt like they could take a step towards competing for bowl contention, right? But like sure. this was this was a step back, right? Like, yeah. This was clearly a step back, even though you know Texas Tech is extremely lucky that <laughs> that Vic Shealy doesn't kick <laughs> that that field goal to end the first half. Right. Like this this is still a step back, and and here's the issue now too, right? Is like Next up, you got Texas on September yeah. 26th. You go at Kansas State, at Iowa State versus West Virginia, who looks like some killers right now, versus mm-hmm. Oklahoma, at TCU versus Baylor, at Oklahoma State versus Kansas. Right? Like, where are the wins all of a sudden if, if, right. if this is going to be a struggle? I mean, obviously, that last game against Kansas, you assume. Um, and, you know, K State and Iowa State, obviously you know showed their ass on national tv yesterday but i mean i don't know if you can assume that that's going to happen with texas tech so yeah it just it just all of a sudden starts to look a lot more difficult if this is what we're going to see from texas tech and and i mean my goodness that's not good enough yeah i one of my friends texted me and he said is it realistic to expect texas to put up 70 potentially next week and (sighs) I had to talk myself out of it. <laughs> Mainly, so, be- and and the, the argument against that isn't that Texas Tech can stop them from scoring seventy. It's just that teams don't score seventy. <laughs> yeah. That's like that's the argument against them that happening is just that teams just don't score seventy against other FBS programs often. So that's all. That's where I was like, you know what? That's probably why it's not going to happen. <laughs> not the fact that Tech can stop them. Yeah, uh, listen, man, listen, man. I went to Baylor in the mid-2010s. Uh, yes, they do. They absolutely do. Yeah. And uh, But but at the same time, and, and we can actually transition to this Tex game now. Uh, Texas 59, UTEP 3. Uh, go Miners or something, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but um, look, that freaking first half by Sam Ellinger was a lot. <laughs> Man, <laughs> so he finishes. He finishes with 426 yards and five touchdowns. I believe all of which he got in the first half. Yeah, I, I think he came out for a drive and handed off the ball, and that was it. But I right. think that 
all 426 of his yards and five Good touchdowns God. he got in the first half. So, yeah, that was <laughs> that was awesome. Um, I, if there were any questions about hangover or... Not, that's not the word I'm looking for. If there was any questions about rust, rust, or even like some a little unfamiliarity with different play calling, right? Um, right. That was that that wasn't a problem. That's gone. Like I get that's it, I get gone. it. You got to throw a little UTEP asterisk in there, but it doesn't matter. Like he did that in a first. Like who throws for 400 yards in the first half? Like <laughs> against anyone? <laughs> I'm sorry. Right. Um, and so yeah, that was that was awesome. I mean, we expected this offense to be as good. Um, if not better, with some more consistent play calling. But that was, yeah, that was great. I think you saw what you wanted to see from Terry Black as well. I mean, he came out and he looks like the target they want him to be um, as a transfer. Uh, Whittington came back, looked a little healthy. I know he walked out with a little bit of a limp. He, yeah. Um, so they're, they're, he was out the, the second half of the game. Apparently, had a knee injury. So, so hopefully, hopefully that's not, yeah. hopefully that's precautionary with just his history, um, as opposed to something indica- indicative being something indicative of something bigger. But um, yeah, I don't know. Defensively, you saw everything you wanted to see. You you made sure UTEP did absolutely nothing. Um, <laughs> You yeah, yeah. you pretty much squashed all of Deion Hankins' hype. Obviously not squashed <laughs> it, but you, you basically said, like, this kid's not getting anything against us, despite what happened last week. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, look, uh, they gave the ball to Deion Hankins 11 times and were like, let's not break you. Let, right. Let's not. He's like, oh, this is how it's going. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, you, you got your chance to play against the University of Texas. Uh, have a great right. day, kid. You know, <laughs> right, yeah. It's like, hey, um, lace them up next week. We'll be good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of talked a little bit last week about, like, okay, you know, if, if Hankins and, and Cowan can maybe, like, you know, just show a little something, that would be kind of fun. And, right. uh, Texas you know, was like, nope. Yeah, well, <laughs> nope. And, and cowing was fine. You know, cowing was, was four fine, for forty nine. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know like, what you. I don't know what else you can expect when you you face a motivated Texas team, who right. obviously has aspirations of big, big things in Sam Ellinger's last year. Um, yeah, there was there was it was no chance you weren't going to do anything. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, one thing that I was curious about was you know we haven't seen we haven't seen Sam sort of be a pocket guy just dishing the ball, you know, so consistently, right? I mean, and that that was something... I mean, it wasn't even necessarily that I thought he couldn't do it. It's just Mm -hmm. he had never had to do that at the college level before. You know, it's always been so, like, we're rolling you out. It's always so, like, you know, we're RPOing it. And, like, Mm -hmm. so it was kind of interesting to just see him, you know, get the ball snapped and stand back there and deliver, you know? And, And obviously... You know, I don't think that there was any concern that he wouldn't be good at it, but but I mean, he I think, <laughs> obviously uh, showed. I'm curious uh, how much of that is, you know, Yurishek coming in and I think a lot. I think a lot calling a lot different because I mean, obviously Urban or uh, Herman's part of the Urban Meyer tree, and so like, you know, running the quarterback is just in his blood, and I'm wondering if maybe he kind of realized because you know the the thing we saw or the thing we heard from people closer to the program than us. Um, who were on the beat, saying was that Herman wants somebody who thinks like him, but can just call plays, right? That he's more confident right. in calling plays. And I'm wondering if another part of that was maybe him also realizing that in some games he doesn't... Maybe it's so in his blood as a play caller to have those RPOs, to have these power spread play calls, 
that he says he wants somebody to be able to take that away and say, you know what, run my stuff, but also know when I don't need to run Sam, right? And last year we saw a little bit of that, right? He, he probably, he, compared to his uh, freshman and sophomore year, he obviously didn't run as much, but he was still running probably when he didn't need to as much. Um, and part of that was also the hurt, you know, the running backs were hurt as well. So I don't want to, you know, put that on him, but I'm also wondering how much of it was saying, Hey, let me get a play caller. Who's a little bit more adept at pure passing concepts. Yeah. And, and that actually, you know, that, that's something that with Ryan day last year, it was yeah. kind of the same deal, right? Yeah. Like, like where, you know, we saw Justin Fields do some more pure passing game stuff than, than maybe we're used to. And um, no, and, and I think that it clearly has worked out really well. I think it's obviously a great fit for uh, for that offense. And and look, I mean, I think that if Ellinger is reduced to mostly just a goal line running back, that's mm-hmm. probably a good thing. You know, right. I mean, there's there's enough names in that room. There's enough talent. And, and also, like, that's one of the cool things about the air raid, too, right? Is that, like, you can, you know, create short yardage situations with the pass, too, mm-hmm. you know, by, by creating space. And so... Uh, Look, again, the caveat. It's against UTEP. The numbers <laughs> don't really mean anything, but right. I think that I think that the thing that we do like is that, you know, obviously this they looked very <clears throat> excuse me, they looked very comfortable. Um they looked very cohesive running that offense and mm-hmm. yeah, I mean it's going to get harder now, but but I guess <laughs> they start with Texas Tech, so it won't get too much harder, right? Right. right. I was about to say like <laughs> this is going to be an interesting game to see like does Texas come out and just stranglehold Texas Tech mm-hmm. or is Texas Tech slightly better than we saw, than we expected, and their, you know, HBU was a kind of a hiccup for them, and it's a lot closer, and we have more questions about Texas going into, you know, to TCU or something, you know, that's that's really going to be interesting, especially because we have, what, two weeks before that game? Yeah, yeah, we do, so, it's on the 26th. Yeah, so that's going to be, you know, both teams are going to, I don't know what Texas has to work on, but they're going to work on something. They're, they're going to work on getting better at something. <laughs> they look pretty good to me. Right. But right. Tech obviously has another week of prep, and, you know, they'll go into that game f- hopefully fixing some things that we had that we were concerned about. And, yeah, I, that's going to be – that game is going to be pretty interesting to see as a barometer for both teams. Yeah. Well, real quick um... – so one thing that did happen yesterday. So this this stuff, I, I know that it all happens behind the scenes. So like everybody yeah. knew about all this stuff. But Houston canceled a game against Memphis and then announced a game against Baylor within yeah. like 10 minutes. Yeah. This, which, there's there's one awesome. thing I found out from 2020 is that just none of this stuff means anything. And just like none of this con- has to go this contracts way. are all arbitrary and they don't mean <laughs> they don't mean a thing. So, you want to play? Sure. Why not? So so here's my theory. Okay. I, I, I think that just because we've had so much going on I've, I've just been like okay let me let me think about this right my theory sure. is that I my theory is that they literally schedule those games so far out because athletic directors are just bored and they're like <laughs> we only get three of these things like yeah. I don't know <laughs> you want to play someday yeah sure I don't know whatever <laughs> like I, I can't think of any other reason there's no advantage to anybody else right like no. we don't know what the contracts are gonna look like we don't know what the conferences are gonna look like like there's there's no value in scheduling things early other than just like I think I know, because man, other teams do, do it, other teams do it, and so it gets on the docket, and you want to just like, well, they're they're scheduling early, so I guess I got to schedule them right. this time because then you got to like, have a mad rush a bit, right? Right, it's like a domino effect. I don't, I don't inherently, I don't think about, um, yeah, inherently, I don't think about the advantages of scheduling like five years in advance. <laughs> no, there isn't any, and like again, I mean, and, and the thing that kind of sucks about it too, right, is like. 
you know, you hear about these cool games uh, that, you know, could happen in the future. But, like, and actually, I'll, I'll say again, I went to Baylor in the mid-2010s. And, yeah. you know, the idea that they couldn't be flexible and switch things around quickly, like, that right. was very unfortunate. That had real implications for what that team was able to do and accomplish. Because they made a schedule assuming that they would be struggling to get to a bowl game. And, yeah. you know, it's just... I don't know. You should be able to be a little bit more flexible than that. And I hope that, um, I, I, I would hope that obviously, you know, that ends up being different heading forward to at least some extent. Yeah. And so <laughs> let's go ahead and close with this. Okay. At this point, we've had seven teams in the FBS that have played so far uh, in college football. Um, so, you know, we don't have all 12 teams yet for the power poll and, mm-hmm. um, Look, if uh, there's a lot of weirdness right now, let's see if we ever get to 12 this season. But, um, <laughs> but, but you know, so far, uh, seven teams, if you're going through. So, so this is how I'm, I'm ranking the power bowl rule-wise. Okay, so sure. at number one, I got Texas. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, no yeah that, that was, yeah, come on now. <laughs> Especially since, uh, you know, we're still living in a world where three of the power five teams have yet to play. So, sure. I mean, you know, it's, it's them or Texas Tech have a big advantage. And guess what? It's not Texas Tech. Uh, number two, I have SMU. Obviously, there's a gigantic gap between one and two right, right. now. Um, you know, SMU, again, I'm not worried about what happened last week. Uh, and and so, you know, we'll, we'll see whether they're able to kind of get things back on track in the next couple of weeks and, and whether, you know, they look a little bit more comfortable. But they kind of started the season slow last year, too. I'm not, I'm not that concerned about that. So sure. um, I, I think for me, SMU is definitely number two. Uh, number three, a new addition – UTSA, uh, UTSA just completely, completely outclassed Texas State for most of the, the afternoon, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and in fact, I think that they have a legitimate case for number two. I, I'll leave them at three for the moment, just because you know they did let them back into it. But but I think that UTSA is looking far more ahead of schedule than we expected. Sure. Uh, number four, going North Texas. Um, I'll tell you what, North Texas is, has to be feeling pretty good right now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what they did to Houston Oh, Baptist. my gosh. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah, I was texting uh, I was texting with their SID Jordan Step uh, last night, and he was like, well, all right, I guess, you know, <laughs> I, guess we're, I guess this is actually a lot more impressive than I thought it was. And, uh, no, I mean, no, North Texas was better than Texas Tech in every like only, single like only 480 yards, huh? <laughs> right, right. And, like. No, and, and a, like I think two of those touchdowns were sort of late fourth quarter things, right? Like legitimate. Like I, I mean, there's no garbage time when you're an FCS playing against an FBS, right? Because they're all Power Five at, uh, or FBS athletes. But you know, I mean, as opposed to Bailey Zappi against Texas Tech's first team defense doing whatever he wanted. So yeah, uh, North Texas, and and on top of that, again, it's, it's that's the sort of thing too, where it's like Jason Bean did whatever he wanted, and I did not feel like Texas Tech did. So uh, North Texas at four. Uh, Texas Tech, I'm putting at five. Um, look, if they had lost this game, then we would have just had to put them in the cellar for the rest of the season. But, uh, <laughs> but they managed to come through. Number six, uh, Texas State. Look, I, I think it, it was two games that by no means were horrible performances. Like, if you came into the season and said, okay, you know, it's 0-2 and, and, and both games are close, like, you probably would have felt okay about that. But it's just the way that both these games have happened. It, sure. It's just you know been demoralizing in a and way. like it's and it's weird to like take because they're so different like you mentioned it in your in your piece today you know like their starting quarterback was out so what do you take from that right do you right i mean i'm to me i take more that i'm more worried about other sides of the ball but or other yes. sides other parts of the field but 
you just there's always that what if, and I don't even think I don't I don't want to say they beat UTSA with Brady McBride, but you just, there is that what if factor, right? And right. it's going to be a question mark with multiple teams, right? Texas State was just the first team to experience that, where your starting quarterback loses a game because of protocol. Um, I'm curious to see what it it brings up the the nobody wanted to talk about it, but the the realistic possibility that any of these teams can lose a starter and possibly a starting quarterback to this new protocol system we have. Right, right. So, you know, it's, it's again, if, if you had told me before the game that this game goes 51-48 in double overtime, mm-hmm. I probably would have, you know, I would have been okay with that, right? Like, yeah. I would have felt like that confirmed what we saw last week. But, but again, just the flukiness that it took to get Texas State back into it versus, mm-hmm. you know, how bad they were everywhere except for quarterback, right? Like, if, right. if it was if it was that, oh, my gosh, Tyler Vitt throws for 112 yards and, and they're great everywhere else, you know, right. I mean, that, that makes me feel different about it. But I don't know. It was it was disappointing, obviously. Uh, in last place, uh, we got UTEP. Um, UTEP, they are 1-1, one one, but, you know, their 1-1 one one was against SFA. Uh no, there, there's nothing to be taken from this text game. Obviously, nothing good, nothing bad. It, it doesn't matter. Like right. it, it's it's just something that happened to them. So, <laughs> um, you know, but but they're seventh for right now. Um, you know, I, I I think that they again last week. I think that they showed a little more than than I expected them to. So I don't think that this is. I don't think at this point that we have reason to think that this is like the gigantic seller let's just put them in in last place and never talk about it again as yet right. uh you know but but at the same time i mean utsa looks better tech state looks better you know we'll see when rice gets on the field obviously uh but you know for right now i think that utep sits alone in the cellar would you have no, any other uh, uh, issues with that nope not really um we'll see next week if they get out of that cellar because um let's just say if they don't look good um <laughs> they got Abilene Christian yeah, yeah yeah they they might they might not get out of that cellar right so anyway uh week two is in the books again like we mentioned seven FBS teams uh have games on the schedule now next week we will get two more with Baylor and Houston playing against each other and uh look I have I we just got the news just at the same time you did, so I, I got to go figure out how to get a credential to that football <laughs> game. So, so hopefully, uh, hopefully, I'll be in Waco next week. But it'll be fun to get to see those two teams. I mean, they haven't played since the Southwest Conference disbanded back in 1995, so uh, it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a you know reunion for them, I guess. And um, and I think it should be a fantastic game. Honestly, I, I think that that's a it's a sort of game where you're almost like. Why did either of you do this? <laughs> you right, know? right. It's like I, I'm, I have questions, but I'm not going to ask them. It's just like <laughs> no, no. It's one of those where you're just like, thank you, but <laughs> why? But but thank you. And right. so uh, it should be a lot of fun. Dave Aranda's debut. Uh, you know, Clayton Toon finally coming into a season as the defined starting quarterback. Uh, year two for Dana. I, again, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's definitely going to be the game next week that I'm going to pay the most attention to. And um, and look. Uh, look, I think that we've proven one thing in the Big 12 so far through, you know, one week of the season, and that's if if you find a way to beat Houston in any way, that's good enough. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> anyway, thanks so much to everybody for joining us. Uh, you can find all of our work at TexasFootball.com. You can be- become a subscriber at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. Uh, follow us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Uh, For Ishmael Johnson, I'm Shahan Jairaja. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday.